How's everyone doing? Good. We got a couple announcements uh, before we get into the word. One tonight, the ladies will be decorating for Christmas. So if you're interested in that, that starts at six o'clock. Justice will send out an email reminder. There'll be a link on there that you can uh, sign up on the Google Docs uh, to bring an appetizer to share. So when you come next week, um, like hopefully it looks Christmassy. Uh, second, next Sunday after church, we're going to have a luncheon uh, catered by El Tio. So um, it's going to be awesome food. It is to um, honor uh, Greg as, uh, for his service as a pastor, really honor Greg and Melinda, uh, but honor Greg for um, his service um, here and everything he's done, everything Melinda's done. So make plans um, to attend that next week. It's going to be a blast. Do they need to sign up or anything, Justice? Nope, don't, no need to sign up, but do sign up for the ladies' thing. So, All right, those are our announcements. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is truth, that your son told us that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that it's through him that we have life and through him alone. We thank you, Lord, that that's what your word shouts to us over and over and over again, every single page, that you are real, that you are true, that you love us, that you sent your son to redeem us and to rescue us from our fallen condition and from our sin. And God, I pray that that message would go forth uh, strongly and boldly throughout um, the pulpits today in America and across this world, Lord, as brothers and sisters in various churches gathered together to worship you, uh, to hear your word preached, to practice uh, the sacraments, God, that your name and your name alone would be honored and glorified. Father, you are so good to us. We thank you that you speak truth through your Holy Spirit to us through your word. You speak your truth to our hearts, God. You call us to seek you and follow you, to be changed by your power, God. So we ask that you would do that now for your glory. Amen. All right, we're going to be talking about uh, sanctification today. I talked about it last week. And uh, this whole section, I can't really address without talking about the idea of knowing God's will. What is God's will for my life? Like books and books and blogs and articles have been written. You've heard it probably asked a thousand times. You've probably asked it yourself. Everyone wants to know what God's will is until he tells you what his will is. <laughs> then you're like, I think I'll choose option B. So here's the thing. Um, 
God always communicates very clearly to us. If there is a problem receiving information or there's a miscommunication, it's always on our part. So if we're not hearing from the Lord, that's on us. Uh, let's, let's start with some clear things. There are certain things God wants us to do and to have no doubt about. For example, um, is it his will for us to hate? No. What about lie? Steal? Murder? Get drunk? Okay. How do you all know this? His word, right? Okay, so, so his word reveals his will. All right, some of you actually need to write that down and think about that. His word reveals his will. Uh, there are certain things, so those are things that he doesn't want to do. There are certain things that he does want us to do. Does he want us to care for the poor? Does he want us to clothe the naked? Does he want us to love our neighbor? Okay, so, and again, how do we know those things? By his word, okay. Listen, friends, I believe if we do the clear things, the things that we can look into the scriptures, it's like clear as the light of the sun. We, I believe if we do those clear things, he'll make the less clear more clear. So as we do the Lord's will, what happens is as we're doing his will, we actually grow closer to him. We grow closer to him. Why? We're, we're being sanctified. We're becoming more like him. And we hear from him more clearly. We see his ways more truly. We see light from darkness, and it's a lot more obvious to us. So when it says in 1 Thessalonians, in chapter 4, notice what it says about midway through the verse. He's talking, he says, Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk. So I want us to look today at, at four ways that we can walk in holiness. You could call it four ways to practice sanctification. So just a rehash from last week, just briefly, we talked about the three types of sanctification. There, do you guys remember what they are? They each start with a P. What's the first one? Positional sanctification. That's what you get at the moment of your salvation. Okay? You get a positional sanctification whereby God not just justifies you and declares you righteous, but he also makes you holy. We looked at some verses where he says, you were justified, you were sanctified. It's something that he's already done. So there's the positional sanctification. Then what's the second P? There's the progressive sanctification. That's what most people think about when we're talking about sanctification, when we're talking about being, becoming holy, when we're talking about being set apart to the Lord. It's this idea of progressive. Um, you know, we are gradually becoming, as we're, as we're growing in our faith, as a believer, we're gradually becoming more like Christ. That's the progressive. And then what's the third P? The perfect sanctification. Okay, y'all paid attention last week. Good job. So, positional, progressive, perfect sanctification happens when? Yeah, in glory. Once we, once we pass on from this earth, once we die, once we're in the presence of God, uh, that's the perfect sanctification. One thing I wanted to note, though, as, as I was kind of thinking about this a little bit, um, Adam and Eve, think about this for a moment. Adam and Eve uh, had a holiness as well, right? They had a holiness. 
Um, they were created perfect. Their perfection was what we would call a mutable holiness. Mutable, which means it was changeable. Okay? I often wondered about this when I, when I first got saved, right? Because God says that one day he's going to make us completely perfect in his presence. And I was like, well, isn't that kind of like how Adam and Eve were? Right? Um, they had a mutable holiness. It could be changed. I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? It did change. Um, our perfect sanctification, the holiness that we will get one day in God's presence, will be immutable, unchangeable. Okay? So when we are in his presence and he has uh, glorified us, guess what? Our holiness will not, cannot, won't change. It will be immutable. That'll be a work that, that he does completely, fully. And again, as, as I mentioned last week and we thought about it, the thought of like never having to struggle against sin anymore, never having to deal with any type of temptation, never having uh, a little snare that seems to catch us every once in a while. And that, that, that will be a great day, okay, for many reasons, including that one. So sanctification, whereas justification is God's work and God's work alone, he declares us righteous, he sets us apart, sanctification is us cooperating with God. Okay, we cooperate with him in our walk to become more like him. These four ways to walk in holiness, we're going to see them right here in Thessalonians. They're right from Scripture. They're commands that we're given to do. Let me say at the outset, because what he says is pretty straightforward in verse 3. He says, abstain. From, se- from sexual immorality. He said, this is, your, this is the will of God, your sanctification. And I think sometimes people uh, inside and, and outside the church will, will be like, you know, God's against sex, and that's a, that's a dirty thing. Well, no, he's not against sex. Uh, he created it. He created the passions we have. He's not against it. What he is against is the wrongful practice of it. He's against the distortion of it. We take, we... We take God's good gifts and we do a good job of distorting and twisting them. So what he is for is he's for marriage. And within marriage, he's for sex. He's also for the protection of families. He's also for the safety of children. He's also for honoring women. And God has set it up so that sex and marriage like go hand in hand. Okay? Um, the ancient world did not have that concept. Um, it was actually pretty, pretty profane uh, and disgusting, some of the practices, even during Jesus' times, that the Romans practiced. But what God is for is he's for purity. He's for pure hearts. He's for pure thoughts. He's for pure lives. And friends, societies break down. Listen to me. Societies break down when sex is separated from marriage. It's just the truth. Study your history. You'll see it. The Bible links the two together. It, per, it preserves societies. That's why God's about the family. He's about children. He's pro-women. Okay? Sex inside of marriage protects those things. It guards those things. When sex becomes a commodity to be bought and sold, a society's moral fabric erodes away rather quickly. And what's sexually heinous today is sexually acceptable tomorrow. Uh, sexually activ- sexual activity deemed sinful just 15 years ago is now celebrated by society and sadly by many churches. So what society is against, 
sexually today can and will change tomorrow. Okay? God's word on this will not change. He's got a standard. It's been there from the beginning, really before the beginning, and it will continue to be there. Notice, I want you to turn to Philippians 3, and I want you to see something that it says there for us to glean from today. Philippians 3. In verse 18, uh, let's look at verse 17 of chapter 3. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I mean, think about the idea there. Their end is destruction. Why? Because they're doing their own thing. They've thrown off God. They don't care about Him. They're going about their own ways. Their God is their belly. What is that concept there? Is like whatever satisfies them, they're, they're going to do. They're led by their carnal desires. And they glory in their shame. Think of our culture today about some of the things that it glorifies. It's shameful, is what the Bible calls some of those things. And they glory in it. Their, their glory, they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Okay? Then notice the contrast here when you go into verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject things, all things to Himself. Okay, so the first thing when we talk about walking in holiness, the first one is walk in honor. Look back at 1 Thessalonians. In verse 4 he says, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So we want to walk in honor. If we want to talk about sanctification, if we want to talk about becoming more like Christ, we're seeing here that we need to walk in honor. Notice that holiness and honor go together. He says, control his own body in holiness and honor. They're tied together. Honor is a lost virtue today. From children to parents, it's a lost virtue. There's not much honor. From husbands to wives, wives to husbands, it's a lost virtue. From citizens to their leaders, it's a lost virtue. But we are called to honor. And we are called to walk in honor and to have a holiness with that honor. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Look what he says in verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So notice some of the key words in this verse. It's talking about cleansing. It's talking about not being uh, dishonorable. Here's that word vessel, similar to 1 Thessalonians that we just read. And then we see this set apart as holy, right? We're being cleansed. We're being set apart as holy. Why? Because we want to be useful to the master of the house. We want to be able to be in a position where God can use us fully for his glory. So we want to live in a way that is noteworthy, that is respectable. 
That if someone heard about your character or saw how you carried yourself in private, they'd laud your effort. They'd laud your character. You know, we have some security cameras uh, around the church. I mean, I was thinking about this. Like, what if there was a camera that always followed you around? That's kind of how I feel up here sometimes. (laughs) Because we've got all these security cameras and I'm up here. But what if there's a camera that always followed you around? What would others see if they could, if they could tune into that channel? You know, just for a little bit. Would it be honorable? And we need to ask ourselves regularly, is this thing I'm doing, is this thing I'm thinking, is this thing I'm saying, is it honorable? Does it honor God? Does it honor the opposite sex? Does it honor my parents? Okay, You dishonor your own body, but also the body of Christ. That's, that's what Paul is driving at here. Here's what one theologian said. For the Christian, there is no other aspect to honor in sexual conduct. Paul says that the body is both a member of Christ and a temple for the Holy Spirit of God. Thus, to use the body dishonorably and to cause another Christian to do so is to dishonor both God and Christ. It's similar to what Paul is driving at in Romans chapter 1. He says, Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. And the conclusion there is that's the judgment of God. So the use of the body, a body created by God for immoral purposes, it both degrades the person and dishonors the Creator. Think about that. Degrades the person and dishonors the the Creator. So we want to walk in honor. Second, we want to walk with control. Same verse back in 1 Thessalonians. Verse 4, that each of you know how to control his own body. Control. So we want to walk with control. Brothers and sisters, hear me clearly. You are in control of your own body. You are in control of your mind. You are in control of your actions. You are in control of your words. You are in control of your thoughts. You might be like, oh, this person, I mean, they're not good for me. They lead me down a bad path. Well, guess what? Maybe you don't need to be around that person. What does it say in 1 Corinthians? Bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Self-control. So walk in the Spirit, and what? You'll have control. How many of you, let me ask you a question, how many of you here eat as much as you want anytime? (laughs) Ashton, Jake, Logan's like, yeah, me, yeah, whenever I want. Okay, not too many of us can do that, though, right? <clears throat> Why? Why not? I mean, we could do I guess we could all do it, right? But why do we choose not to do it? There's consequences. <clears throat> okay, we don't just eat and eat and eat and eat, though sometimes we might feel like doing that. Why not? There's consequences. There's consequences to not having control. Let me just say this. If you can control your appetite, 
you can control your sex drive. So, second, walk with control. Third, walk in love. Look at verse 6. Paul says that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. I mean, what's the flavor of that? It's love. Don't transgress against your brother. Walk in love. This is the love your neighbor ethic. Okay? It's not just about you. It's not just about you. It's sometimes, oh, who does it hurt besides me, you ask. Well, who, I'd actually say, who doesn't it hurt? In addition to you. Okay, when you commit sexual immorality, you're taking that which is not yours to take, and you're giving that which is not yours to give. So we want to walk in love. The second greatest commandment that Jesus told us, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, sexual immorality, that's a very selfish thing. Very selfish. You're, you're, you're looking out for yourself, not, not for your neighbor. Let's see, you're flipping it around completely. God wants you looking out for the interests of others above your own. So walk in love. Four, walk in wholeness. Look what it says in verse 3. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I mean, think of the entirety of who you are. The entirety of who you are. We often think of holiness in regards to actions or deeds. That's true, but it's more. It's thoughts, it's words. And when we're talking about sanctification, we're talking about the whole person. God's concerned about us walking in truth before him. I mean, that's what we are singing about today in regards to God's holiness. He wants us walking in ways that please him. Think if you had an audio recorder hanging around your neck, recording everything you say. At the end of your life, God brings it out. If he just judges you, by the standard that you've tried to keep other two verbally and held it up against your own actions, you'd fail. Just think about that. The words that you say to others and how you want others to act and the standards that you want them to keep, you'd be guilty of failing. When Jesus said to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, what was he driving at? Love him with everything that you got. This is kind of the idea of sanctification too. It's not just one area of your life, but it's your whole life. It's your whole life. So if you got 99%, if you got uh, this liquid here, what is that? It's just water. But let's just say um, we took, it's about half full. Let's just say we took um, just a tiny bit of, uh, well, this is water too, right? Is this yours, Justice? Okay, we won't mess with it because of the coronavirus. <clears throat> but if we had a little dropper and we, we had some, uh, some bleach in it, we just put four drops of bleach in there, would you want to drink it? What about three drops? Two drops? Okay, just one drop. One drop, one little drop in there? Okay, bleach is strong stuff, my friends. Trust me, it's strong stuff. 
one little percent, one little point percent, point one percent. If we just put one little drop of bleach, even if we just went from the stuff under your sink at home, it's probably like five or six percent. I mean, it'd be such a watered down quantity in there. Why don't you want to do it? Not good for you. <laughs> so when we talk about like a complete sanctification, a lot of times I think we can be like, oh God, I'm doing good over here and over here and over here and over here. Oh, I'm not so good over here. But look at all these other areas, Lord. No, God wants us walking completely and wholly in all our areas. If there's an area where, where, where we're falling short, that's an area we haven't given to the Lord yet. That's an area that he hasn't gotten complete control of. That's one that we're probably holding on to. And, and if we're honest... Each one of us probably has some areas like that in our lives. It's time for us to, to loosen that grip up and let God have it and do his work. So we need to stop impurity. Look what he says in verse 7. God has not called us for what? Impurity. Impurity. He hasn't called us for impurity, but in holiness. We are called to holiness. Why? Because God calls us to that which is like himself. He calls us to that which is like himself. He's holy. He calls us to be like him. That's why we get the commands. Old Testament, New Testament. Be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Look at Mark 7, verse 15. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. You know, it's really true what comes out of our mouth shows what's already in our heart. If you want a good check of that, just think about how you've interacted with your spouse with your best friend, with your children over the last 72 hours. What's coming out of the mouth, mouth, Jesus says, reveals what's in the heart. It can be very sobering. Notice a few more things. We have an interesting little comment inspired by the Holy Spirit in verse 6. Look at what he says. He says, No one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. Now, if you've ever been reading through 1 Thessalonians before, you're just reading first chapter, second chapter, third chapter, fourth chapter, you're just like a flow going on, and you, all of a sudden you get to, like I got it underlined probably from like 10 or 15 years ago, it's underlined in my Bible, I was like, what in the world? Like the Lord is an avenger. Like what does that have to do with this whole passage? Like what is going on here? 
Well, I think, one, God wants to show the seriousness with which he deals with sexual immorality. It's sobering. He takes it serious. Many, 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 many a person has been kept from the kingdom of God because they chose sex over God. They decided to have it their way and not God's way. They wanted it more than they wanted him. But what's even more sobering to me is he's talking to believers here. He's talking to us. And he's talking about sexual immorality. And there's all sorts of sins that the Bible talks about. But it is noteworthy that he says, the Lord is an avenger. The Lord is an avenger. It's a warning for us. The Lord does not take sin lightly in his church. He wants it gone. He wants it repented of. He wants it forsaken. If, if we are walking in sin, then we need to check where we're at with God because we might not know God. That's just the truth. And friends, when, when, when uh, someone commits sexual immorality, when someone's doing sexually immoral things, it's like eating junk food. Um, it seems like it's really good and satisfies you in the moment. Now, now people eat junk food different ways. Um, when I eat junk food, I just kind of like dive in and I like eat the whole box. It's like, you know, I need to read that part on the control, okay? Um, it's like the whole box is gone, all right? It's, that's not good. Um, I, and, and I feel like miserable, right? I like, oh, like my body's like, sugar overload alert and then i've got too many calories it's just it's a miserable feeling right at, at the time when i'm i'm just eating those first few cookies you know like it's great it's good satisfies you in the moment <clears throat> there's a price to pay but other people they can just eat junk food and they can kind of snack on it and they, they don't do like me they don't like dive in but they're just like kind of like constant junk food eaters if you do that it leaves you wanting more why? Because you're not, you're not eating satisfying food. Uh, you're, never, you're never really full. You're just kind of like eating those, that junk food. So that's kind of how sexual immorality is. It's kind of one of the, I mean, you feel miserable, you feel horrible, you're not satisfied, you never have a feeling of, of satisfaction. God set up, again, sex to be practiced inside of marriage. That's where it is satisfying. That's how he created it. That's how he designed it. These are things, friends, we cannot disregard. It's a temptation for us to do that. Maybe even some of you here today. Paul says it. Therefore, verse 8, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. It's not about us. It's about God. And sinning is pushing God away and it's pushing Him off and it's pushing Him down. We've got to repent of that. Whatever sin besets us, whatever sin has tripped us up today, this week, this month, we've got to get rid of it. We've got to repent of it. Because our calling is a calling to holiness. That's what He says. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. And, and few times in the Word... 
Does God just come right out and say, oh, here's my will, here's what I want you to do? But this is one place where he does that. Literally. Verse 3, this is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? Right here. No sexual immorality. No sexual immorality. So God couldn't make it any clearer. You couldn't have any doubt about it. This is what God wants. You want to know his will? You want to really know his will? Well, that's, we have it. Abstain. Why does he say this? Why does he make it so clear on this particular sin? Because every society and every person is the same in regards to sin. We go towards sin. We choose sin. We like sin. That's our flesh. And if we got fat from sinning, everyone here would be like 800-pound gorillas. Okay? And God is saying no more. He's saying it's got to stop. This is not what my people do or who my people are. He wants us to remain sexually pure. So we get rid of anything unpleasing to the Lord in this area. Anything. Movies, music, books, websites, whatever is a hindrance in your relationship to the Lord. I hope at times you've had to uh, delete a certain app. Maybe that app itself, there's nothing necessarily wrong with it, but it's a hindrance to your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you've had to get rid of a movie. Maybe the, the, Some people might be okay with that movie, but, but it's tripping you up. Maybe you've had to stop watching the show. I remember uh, a, a, a popular show. I don't know why. I really don't, not even to this day. But there's a popular show. I think it's still going on, actually. Don't ask me afterwards what it is. I'm not going to tell you. But uh, people are watching it. But I remember clearly, one day, the Lord was like, in my quiet time, I don't want you watching that show. I don't want you watching it. I was like, well, why not? I've never even watched the show. And he's like, I don't want you watching it. <clears throat> that was what I felt like the Holy Spirit impressing upon me. So I didn't watch it. I still don't know why. But I'm like, Lord, if, if, that's gonna, if, 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 it, if this is like an obedience thing, then I'm, I'm going to obey. There doesn't have to be a reason from the Lord. You look, it's like you look at some of the Old Testament commands, and then you read commentaries, and oh, why couldn't you do this, you know? Or why couldn't they do that? Or why, what was this a law for? What was the purpose behind it? And, and we can theorize sometimes on some. Sometimes it's clear, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it is not clear why God commanded a certain thing. Guess what, friends? He can command us to do anything he wants, and he doesn't have to explain. He doesn't have to explain. So for him, I believe for me on that particular issue, it was just like a test. Hey, everyone's watching this, everyone's talking about it, and I'm calling you not to do it. Are you going to obey? Will you heed my call? Why? Because uh, it's not about a a particular show. It's about following Jesus wherever he tells us to go. That path wasn't the path that he wanted me on. So I obey. I get on the path he wants me on. That's going to mean doing certain things. It's going to mean not doing certain things. Finally, let's talk a little bit about foundations or what I might call motivations for obeying. It's actually found back in verse 1, so I want you to look there. I want everyone to see it. He says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus 
And I want you to catch this. That as you receive from us, how you ought to walk and to please God. Circle or underline or write it in your notes. Please God. Because this is about our motivation for obeying is pleasing God. Think about it. It's not to earn God's favor. It's not to earn a better reward. It's not to feel better about ourselves or to pat ourselves on the back. It's not to outdo others around us. The foundation for our obedience is our love for Him. It's our desire to please Him. When He asks us not to do something because we love Him, we should obey. When He tells us to do something because we love Him, we should obey. And here's the thing, and some of us need to get a real good hold of this. The satisfaction that God can bring us far outweighs any momentary fleeting pleasure that pornography or sexual immorality or any other type of sin can bring. Think about that. The satisfaction that God can bring far outweighs it. You can fill in the blank with anything you can possibly think of. The satisfaction God gives us far outweighs those other things. And, and we're going to do one of two things. We're either going to forsake sin or we're going to forsake God. You will do one of the others. Brothers and sisters, let's forsake the sin. Let's forsake it. Let's get rid of it. Let's denounce it. Let's delete it. Let's burn it. Let's erase it. Let's take that idol. Let's ground it up and toss it down the drain. Let's be gone with it. Okay, for the sake of your salvation, you should do this. For the sake of your holiness, you should do this. For the sake of your sanctification, you should do this. And ultimately, for the sake of God's glory, you should do this. Forsake whatever is hindering you. Repent of it. Completely, entirely, forsake sin. Otherwise, you forsake God. You can't have both. You just can't have both. It's like Joshua. Choose today. Choose today who you're going to serve. Serve God, forsake the sin. Let's pray. Lord, I do ask whatever sin in this room right now needs to be forsaken would be completely and entirely 100% forsaken. The conviction that you've brought would be heeded and would be acted upon. Save us, Lord. Save us from the fire that awaits those that don't turn to you. And bring about a spirit of repentance right now in our hearts, in each one of us, wherever and whatever, whatever we need to forsake, God, whatever things, let us do so for you, for your glory. Amen.